Hey guys, this is Rob Carbone. Welcome to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankee info than by listening to this podcast right here, right now. Alright guys, what's up? What's going on? Rob Carbone here coming at you. Episode 8 of BD4. It is nearing midnight on a Sunday here on July 7th. Um, yeah, so I'm back. I had a long layoff here. I took a week off. I was on vacation. Um, I was actually up in New Hampshire visiting family. I had a great time up there. It was nice to unplug a little bit. Although I, I, I couldn't stay away. Couldn't stay away from the Yankees. Um, once I found out how to work all the Wi-Fi up there and figure everything out, I uh, actually streamed about three or four of the games while I was up there. So I caught some of it. Didn't recap any, but I caught some of it. And um, it went well. I mean, I guess you could say it went well. Other than, the, you know, they dropped the two games against the Rays these last couple nights. But, I mean, overall, we're sitting here now. The Yankees are sitting here at the break on top of the world still. They're in first place. They're ahead of the Tampa Bay Rays, who are in second place. They're ahead of them by six and a half games. They got a nine-game lead on Boston. So you really can't complain too much about this team. You're literally talking about a team who who who's dealt with so much this... I mean, you can start with just the injuries. You know, it's been injury after injury after injury. Bad news after bad news. Setback after setback. And, you know, who would have thought the Yankees would have... Not even It's not even called weathering the storm. You know, they did exactly what they were doing now when those players were hurt. You know, they sustained a a 65% winning pace this entire season. And I think that's been the most remarkable thing about it all so far up to date is that, you know, despite everything that's gone on, they've not flinched once. And, you know, that really, that really says a lot about a team, you know, a team that deals with, uh, you know, deals with adversity like that and a team that doesn't shy away from anything. And this team's even took that to the field to show, you know, they have these big moments time after time, these magical comebacks, you know, that looks like they're dead the entire game, but they'll make this comeback, man, and they'll make it just like that. They will come back, fight at you just like the other night. Aaron Hicks hits the big homer. I know they ended up losing that game, but it's somebody every night. Gary Sanchez the other night. I mean, it's it's crazy. This resiliency that the, that the Yankees have brought in 2019 and it seems like it's that final missing ingredient to the puzzle. You know, sure, of course, we need some help on the, you know, on the pitching end. The starting rotation is not great, and we'll get to that later. But, I mean, it's the, it's that part of the offense that we've been missing for all these years. <laughs> it's just, it's fi- it's finally there. You're seeing it come together offensively. And, you know, I, I know I beat this drum all the time. I talk about it in about just about every episode. But... No, really, I can't stress enough how important it is to have a team that knows how to, you know, that knows how to come through in these big moments now. You know, a team that knows how to come through late, you know, whenever, whenever, just to get that big hit. They didn't do that last year. They did not do that. And, you know, and a lot of that, a lot, a big part of that is hitting with runners in scoring position. And that's what the Yankees have been doing this year. Now, to to do that, most teams that hit with runners in scoring position have players on that team that can hit for average. And and I know a lot of people don't think average matters nowadays, or at least 
the younger generation of fans, but we're not even going to get too much into that. But I do want to say, I do I do think it's it's a big difference. I mean, you look at last year's team, right? The big part of their failures in the postseason was, other than pitching, was not getting that big hit. And you look at their, you know, why they lost the division. Sure, the Red Sox had an otherworldly season, but so many times throughout the year last year, the Yankees were failing in those big spots because they didn't get enough hits. Last year as a team, ready for this? I'm going to read off a couple of stats. Last year as a team, the Yankees batted 249, which was 16th in the entire league. So it was was in the bottom half of the league with a 249. Well, guess what, folks? (laughs) There's been a 16% increase in that, a 16-point increase. They're now hitting 265 this year just a few points away from leading the entire MLB in batting average. So from 249 to 265, right? That's a huge difference, man. That is a humongous difference for a team average. You know, and you're looking at guys like DJ LeMay, he was played a huge part in that. Gio Urshela, still hitting over 300. You're looking at these guys that we didn't really have last year, finally coming together and hitting 300. And I gave Cashman a ton of shit in the offseason for striking out on Machado, but... You know what, right now it's it's looking like they don't need him, at least for the moment. We have to see what happens in the end. But right now, it looks like Brian Cashman had himself a successful offseason. You know, ultimately we'll judge that in October. But right now, it's looking like I'm being proven wrong. It's looking like they're able to hit consistently for average without a guy like that. And so, yeah, when you hit for average, you know, when you have that big um, increase going from 249 to 265, when you're hitting for average, you start coming through in those scoring position moments. So I'm going to read off another stat to you. Last year, in scoring position, the Yanks batted 253. This year, 303. From 253, 12th last year, to first in the league at 303. Think about that real quick, just how big a difference that is. I have to calculate it for a second, because, let's see, 253? That's... That's a 50, 50 point increase. That is. That's a 50 point increase in runners in scoring position hitting. Something we didn't do as much last year, you know, and we're still hitting the homers. We're fourth in home runs. We have 149 of them so far on pace, you know, to at least come near the the uh, 267 we hit last year. So we're still hitting the homers, you know, we're still getting on base. But this year it's it's different because we're not just getting on base by by walking and by hitting home runs. You know, we're getting on base because we're hitting home runs, but also mixing in other hits. We're hitting singles now this year, folks. We're not just going to hit home runs, walk and strike out. We're now mixing in guys who know how to hit singles. And that's what that's, you know, it's a big part of the game. The single may not be the most powerful hit. In fact, it's the least powerful hit, but it's the most frequent hit. And that's the key word right there. The key word is frequent. Frequent when you can come through with hits on a you know frequently, you're going to hit for average. And when you can hit for average, you're going to keep the line moving on and on and on. Next guy up, he gets a hit. Next guy up, he pokes one out there too. It's 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 all about getting hits, you know, on and on and on, just tacking on. And so when you have guys who can hit singles, and not just guys who can hit home runs, you're going to get more of a rhythm because more guys are going to come through consistently. There's a big difference in just relying on power and being versatile and you know multidimensional. 
And so that's why I've loved that's why I've loved this team so far because they've not been that one-dimensional tired ass, you know, analytical home run strikeout walk approach. They've had this versatile dynamic approach to the plate this season that I've loved. I've loved every minute of it. And another stat I'm going to read off here, bases loaded last year, 20th in the league hitting 253. Bases loaded this year, <laughs> second in the league, 408. That's a big difference. I thought the other one was a big difference. That's a huge difference. And with those bases loaded opportunities, like I said, again, there's been, I don't know the exact number, but there's been a ton of singles in those moments because the Yankees are just doing the simple things. You don't always need to hit the homer. So I'm just, you know, again, I'm just loving the way their offense is played. Their offense has single-handedly carried this team um, during this first half, you know, completely carried them so they've been terrific they just got to hand, hand you know maintain this balance because there are some worries that you know you're going to get some regressions from certain guys but again i'm looking at guys like dj geo you know even maven if he comes health if he becomes healthy and stays on this team but just guys like that who can make contact and go the other way for you know any kind of hit you need if they can keep doing that, which they've shown a, tra- a track record of doing, or at least DJ has shown a track record of doing, if he can keep doing that at this pace, I think they'll be in much better shape than last year offensively. So the offense, you know, right now I'm 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 so high on. I could not complain. If they can keep up this approach, they'll be deadly. But that takes us to the pitching. It's a little less lovey dovey. You know, it gets a little more, a little more concerning when you're talking about the Yankee pitching staff. And specifically, it begins with the rotation we have right now. And it reminds you of the rotation the Yankees had for most of last year, where they haven't really gotten you know, consistent greatness out of one starter. If you remember last season, you know, Severino was terrific for one half. Hap came along and did great for, you know, 11 or 12 games. Uh, you know, there wasn't that one guy last year who you looked at and could rely on day one to day 162. And... Again, this year, we're looking at the same kind of story. You know what I mean? They have three guys in the rotation with ERAs north of four. I think J.A. Happ is sitting in the fives. You know, James Paxson, even with his last two outings, still at 401. Sabathia, 403. You know, their best pitchers are sitting above 370. So even that's not been good. Domingo Herman, 374. Masiro Tanaka, 386. So you don't have that one starter once again. That one horse that you can rely on from, you know, day one and on. And that's going to, that frustrates me and it's going to frustrate a lot of people if, you know, Brian Cashman doesn't do anything about it. And it's understandable because he hasn't had the greatest track record when it comes to acquiring starting pitching. So you look at that rotation right now and you say, yeah, sure, it's been good enough to stay afloat for now. The offense has carried the load. But can you look at it? The big thing is, can you look at it and imagine success in October, in a month like October where the lineups are going to increase, the opposing pitchers are going to be better, everything's going to be much better, everything's going to be more amplified, so it's going to be tougher. So you're not going to have, you're not going to, you're probably not going to get away with these five inning, cute little five inning, one run games, five inning, two or three runs. You're going to have to get those horses eventually that can go six, seven, Maybe even pitch into an eighth inning here and there. You can't just rely on the bullpen to bail you out for five innings every game. 
is it going to be like this going forward? You know, will they remain? How you know? My, so my thing is, how long is Cashman going to wait to get this pitching? And but not only that, what's he going to end up with? The market isn't the isn't the flashiest right now. You know, it seems like Scherzer is becoming less and less a reality every day. Um, Stroman right now, he just hit the DL. I think he's on the DL. Um, I mean, I like him when he comes back, but does he move the needle? You know, do any of these guys move the needle, really? You're going to need, you know, I think they're going to need at least two pitchers here, at least two starting pitchers. And guys like Wheeler don't do it for me. Matthew Boyd doesn't do it for me. But if you get a Stroman and then somebody like one of those guys, maybe that helps. You know, maybe that's the best case scenario here to get somebody like Stroman and then get that Bumgarner. I would take Stroman and Bumgarner. You know, talking aside from like Scherzer and aside from Castillo, the two unrealistic options here. But if you're looking besides that, you can take Stroman and Baumgartner and be happy with that, right? I'd call that a successful deadline, you know, given the given the circumstances. You know, I'm not sure exactly if that's going to be great. Even that's going to be great enough. But given the circumstances, you know, how the market's not been good. There's not many great pitchers out there. If they, you know, if they don't get the Scherzer deal, if they don't get a Luis Castillo deal, which I don't think was ever, ever really a rumor. But if they don't get those, I think you have to aim for Stroman and Bumgarner, no less. You know, maybe Trevor Bauer, even if they sell, if the Indians sell. So it's it's not it's not a it's not a an ideal situation here because Cashman doesn't have many options. You know, he doesn't have flexibility here. Well, he has the flexibility in terms of he you know he can give away a lot of people because we have prospects that are attractive Clint Frazier even is attractive you have a guy like Davey Garcia you can even toss him in a deal I wouldn't consider him untouchable but he's an attractive option Um, you have a lot of guys down there up here that can become trade bait so from that standpoint maybe you can pull something off but again I'm not sure how big at this point we'll just have to wait and see how that whole thing plays out but bottom line is if you want your Bronx Bombers to win a championship, number 28 here in 2019 to close out the decade on a good note, then you're going to need a better pitching staff than the current one. Because we can't keep doing this, this bullpen shit, or we can't keep doing this thing with the opener every day. You know, it's cute. You know, they've won a lot up to up to this day. But, I mean, this rotation, it's going to get, it's just tiring, man. It really is tiring. And we've kind of seen it, you know, because they don't give you much innings. So they tire out the bullpen. They, they t- they've they been tiring out the bullpen a lot. We've seen fatigue from this pen. So they've been pretty inconsistent here and there. They haven't really had the greatest of seasons Talking when we're talking about living up to the greatest of all time hype um, that the bullpen is, you know, has been given that status heading into the season. But you can't blame them wholly because this rotation has, hasn't given length. Canely's came down to earth. Britain is iffy with the walks, as is Adovino. It's it's hard. It's hard, man, to do it because when you get a better rotation, you can get a better idea of how your bullpen is going to look. Now, to me, it all starts with that rotation. It's kind of a domino effect. So, just get that starting pitching, and I think it'll benefit not only the bullpen but maybe even the offense. As you know, they won't be starting starting these games behind by two always. You know, it always feels like the Yankees are trying to fight back all the time. So maybe if they get a better staff, they won't be fighting from behind from the first or second inning every game. 
So that's also a thing to look at. But we'll see what Brian Cashman does. But I just wanted to go over the team as a whole real quick. Talk about the offense being in excellent shape. The pitching being in in need of improvement. Um, So that's pretty much the state of the Yankees. You know, it's never get too high, never get too low. They're in good shape, but definitely in need of improvement to take that next step. Um, I don't know if I have much else. You know, it was... It's kind of hard for me to talk about the week when I missed a lot of it. Didn't really see too much. But, um, no, like I said, we're in terrific shape. Um, if there are guys that who need a break right now, it's it's definitely uh, guys like Gary Sanchez and uh, Edwin Encarnacion. I guess we should talk on them for a second. Um, well, first of all, Encarnacion has just been putrid so far as a Yankee. I was never really a big fan of the signing to begin with, and maybe I'll get a lot of shit for that, but I really wasn't. I didn't love the signing because I thought it would take time away from Gio Urshela, and obviously now Urshela's going to get more time with Voight out, but that's hindsight talking right there. But, you know, I wasn't a big fan of it, not only because, you know, Gio would have been getting less time, but just Encarnacion does not fit the style of the Yankees this season. He's more of that 2018 type where it's just going to add fuel to the fire where he's like, he's this streaky, low average, you know, power slugger who's not really going to have consistent great ABs, who's not really going to poke a single the other way that consistently, or just not really going to come through consistently. He'll have a homer here and there, but he'll rack up a strikeout or two, a ground ball, a pop up. He's not going to hit the ball a lot. You know, he's hitting as a Yankee, uh, 123, you know, and I'm sure that's going to go up. He's not going to hit 123 forever, but how high will he hit? You know, and I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm a big batting average guy because I believe that hitting does matter. You can't just pad in on base with walks and slug your way to the top. I believe you have to do something. You have to do damage by also hitting the ball, by actually doing damage too. And I don't just mean home runs. I mean, you got to collect hits on a consistent basis. So how how is how does this guy Encarnacion fit in with the DJs of the world? With even with the Aaron Judges who's you know who's hitting who hits for you know who hits the ball at a high volume. So how does he fit in with DJ with Judge with Glaber with all the other guys who are hitting the ball on a consistent basis? He's he falls more into the category of the Stantons, of the sluggers who are all or nothing, who could harm this team more than help at times because of their style of, you know, of, of because of their approach they bring to the plate. So he does kind of concern me. I, I kind of wish they never got him, and I know people are going to hate me for that, but I really don't think they need him. There's no need for another one of those guys when we're trying to go the opposite direction this season. And that leads me to the slumping of Gary Sanchez at the moment. Uh, it's tough. Just a few weeks ago, he was an MVP candidate. I mean, I'm not saying he isn't anymore, but this again goes back to goes back to hitting the ball at a high volume. He was in the upper 260s. He's been hovering in the 260s all year. He touched 270 for a bit, but he's been hovering, you know, well above 250 all year. Um, so we slumped recently, big time. I guess while I was on vacation, he slumped big time, and now he's down into the mid 240s. And it's it's once again he's fallen into that trap that he did last year where it's. It's the it's that you know that that slugger hitting pull a home run trap where he's trying to yank one four hundred feet every time he's he's chasing balls out of the zone he's not really disciplined at the moment 
So you want to see him get more patient, get back to that hitter he was. Now, I don't think he's ever going to be that all-around judge type hitter that we saw in 2016 where he was hitting 299 and then he hit 280 the next year. I don't know. I'm not sure we're going to get that judge type guy. But like I said, if he could just revert back to where he was a couple of weeks ago where he was, you know, hovering around, you know, you know, just just norm, just respectability with the BA, then you take that because that's huge, just that alone, just getting Gary to be more consistent of a hitter. And again, I'm not really expecting at this point, I'm not sure he'll ever be that judge type of all-around hitter, but just don't be a completely one-dimensional slugger like he is at the moment, these last couple of weeks at least. Just if he can get back to that more balanced approach, that's a huge, you know, that's a huge plus alone. So I, you know, I, I'm not saying I'm giving up on him, but you do want to see some signs. It would have been nice to see some signs of life heading into the All-Star break, but take the week off, come back rejuvenated, and hopefully we get that Gary back, get him going, a couple of the other guys getting hot, and the Yankee offense will be that much more deadly. So that's pretty much all I got on the Yankees as a team right now. Like I said, great shape, can't complain. If you're complaining too much, get the hell out of here because there's nothing to complain about at the moment. Um, but no, short term, we're in great shape. Long term, sure, we've got some issues to, to fix out, but... We're living in the moment, man. We're just living in that moment. You know, the Yanks are in first. Everything's going well. I'm happy. You're happy. Everybody's happy. And I think that's pretty much it. Let's end on a good note here. And, oh, let's get to the trivia. I was going to, I'm going to start something called the, well, I don't really have a name for it, but maybe we'll come up with something eventually. I'm going to do a trivia for you guys. So I'm at the end of each, at the end of each podcast episode from here on out, I'm going to ask you one question. One question, one question about the Yankees, um, about their history, and the first person to private message me, either on my Twitter page or my Facebook page, the first person to private message me, not comment, to private message me, the first person to do that and answer the question correctly, I'll give a shout out to your page, to your blog, your podcast, your book, whatever you want me to shout out, I'll give a shout out to that, you know, um, I don't have a big following, so I don't know how much of a shout out it'll be, but you know, I'll help you. I'll try to help you out a little bit if you get the correct answer. So let's get to the first question of the trivia, which will be, what was the name of the 2001 movie that focused on Roger Maris and his chase for Babe Ruth's single season home run record? I'll say it one more time. What was the name of the 2001 movie that focused on Roger Maris and his chase for the Babes single season homer record. So I'm not going to give you multiple choice. You're just going to have to guess it straight up. And it's your loss. If you want to look it up, you go for it. But I don't know how that makes it any fun. So private message me the answer. And the first one to do so, I'll give your page, blog, whatever, a shout out. All right. Let's see how far this can go. Maybe I'll come up with a name for this little game. Eventually, maybe you can uh, help me out, guys. But uh, thank you guys so much for stopping by. Going to edit this podcast, going to put it up. And by the time you're listening to it, it'll be a, it'll be early Monday morning. So thanks so much for stopping by. I'll see you this week. Ciao.